Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Dress your way up, wanna self-actualize Dress your way up, you want to start a rise Dress your way up, you wanna make your way Dress your way up, you wanna change the game Dress your way up, you wanna reach higher ground Dress your way up, you wanna be Hello, everybody, and welcome to Paul Listing Behind the Curtain. Well, that fantastic music was written by Elton John, and it is the soundtrack, if you will, or the cast track for the new musical, The Devil Wears Prada, which is currently playing at the James Niederlander Theater through August 21st. It is, of course, Broadway in Chicago's season, and that is the magic show going on right now. Joining me to talk about this show, which I have now seen, is one of the stars of the show, Beth Level, who plays the iconic role of Miranda Priestly. Yes, that was the Meryl Streep role in the film. Beth herself, though, a Tony Award-winning actress from incredible shows such as The Drowsy Chaperone, Prom, on and on. Beth, we got to talk and meet before the show opened, and now I get to talk with you now that I've seen it. That's a thrill for me. As it is for me as well. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. So when we first talked, that was for my 30-minute special for Backstage, which is currently airing on Comcast. For folks who get Comcast, go take a look at Backstage. You'll get to meet the whole cast. Um, but back then, Beth, of course, I was just sort of asking you questions because I didn't know what we were in for. And I, I asked you how you're going to take on the, this Meryl Streep uh, role that people have in their minds. And, of course, your answer at that time was, oh, you were going to borrow and steal everything from Meryl you could. Now I've seen you perform the role. You truly have done your own thing, and I think you are magic on stage. And being magic on stage is very different from being magic on the silver screen. Absolutely. And I don't think I could have received a higher compliment. So thank you so much for that. It is, you know, I love this movie so much. And in creating our musical version of Miranda Priestly, I, I um, wanted to respect the love we all have for that character, and yet we are doing a musical. So I think we're just giving birth to a new Miranda Priestly who gets to sing her feelings and who gets to sing some of those iconic one-liners. And it's been fabulous. And Chicago has been so loving and embracing of us, and we're just thrilled to be here and to be starting this world premiere here in this great theater city. And I hope you took it as a compliment, but I noticed some of the critics... Many of the critics basically said, we need more Beth. We need more Miranda in this show. So maybe some people wouldn't be happy to hear that, but I think that's a testament to the power of your performance and the importance of the role. Well, again, but I don't read reviews, so, but that's such a compliment. You always want to leave them wanting more. And again, we're just now giving birth to this show. So we have, we have work to do. We have um, 
uh, who knows what's going to change. The audience here in Chicago seems to be just loving it and standing on their feet. But we wait for our scene partner, who I call the audience, to tell us what they need, what they want. And that's part of the great journey of giving birth to a new musical. And, of course, people, the, the cast is so incredible. Again, I'll send people to Comcast uh, to, to watch the backstage show. Working with Taylor Inman Jones, who plays Andy, and Javier Munoz, uh, who, of course, is Nigel with the Stanley Tucci role, uh, and, and, and so many others, Megan Masako Haley and, and Michael Tacconi. They're just, you have such a great cast. What I find really interesting is, while there are seasoned veterans, that's not a bad thing, there are seasoned veterans like <laughs> yourself who are on the stage who've been around just a little while, but you're also working with new talent and happy to say new Chicago talent. Absolutely. There's a lot of the dancers who talk about triple threats um, are from L.A. So some of them are making their pre-Broadway tryouts and to go from the world of videos and a lot of them are, are dance with Beyonce and to go into this land of musicals heading for Broadway I think has been such an eye-opener for them and for me, watching their skill and their craft that I have none of, we all just sit around and kind of admire each other. Like, how do you do that? And they go, how do you do that? It's like, we're all in this together, you know, to create this magical thing we call theater, magical thing we call musical comedy theater. I'm going to do one shout-out to a member of the ensemble because, I mean, they're all great, but Sawyer Smith, of course, is a Chicago figure. And i got to tell you, yeah. every time Sawyer sort of appears, there is sort of this sense of, of and again, it's a compliment, a scene-stealing moment where you can't take your eyes off of Sawyer. Oh, come on. Sawyer is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's so singular, and I'm, I'm sure Chicago is so proud of him, and we're so lucky that, that Sawyer's in our show. So the book was written in 2003, the author who was there on opening night, so happy to see, see her. The movie, 2006, but this musical, it's been made very clear by your producers, by the stars. This, this musical takes place in 2022. We're not recreating 2006. We are not. The world has changed a lot, and uh, this musical represents that change, um, thankfully, and I think in a very, very constructive um, exciting way. Andy is not the same Andy she was in the movie because time has passed. And uh, I think Andy is so much stronger now. And I think it has such a positive feminine voice and all our creatives, almost all the people behind our table are women. So, you know, I, I think that shows in the brilliance of the writing and the tone of the show and I'm glad to be a part of their crew. I'm glad to be working with them. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you, and I had mentioned when I first met you that I actually saw you in 42nd Street back in 19... Blah, blah, blah. And, um, oh, gosh. Which one? So the original one or the, the revival? See, I'm old enough that I've done both. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I just remember it was like 1985-ish, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, when I was Anytime Annie, yeah. There you go. So here's the thing, though. For so many years and so many great shows you've done, you have had to rehearse and work with, uh, with uh, surrounded by the creatives, many of whom were men. I'm not going to judge it, but talk about what is different, what it is like to be working in a project, on a project that is so woman-centric, but also, as you said, surrounded by female talent in all the critical roles, including the director, Anna Shapiro, also a Chicagoan. Exactly, exactly. I think 
part of the difference is all of them are super talented. But when you're in the room with a woman who's a mother, there's a caring and a sensitivity. And I feel nourished in ways that Anna Shapiro makes us feel nourished and safe. And I'm so grateful for that because it's an awful lot to make a new musical out of town during COVID that we've been waiting three years off and on to finally get where we are. And just to be in Anna's safe and loving room, um, I would do it again in a heartbeat. You know, I asked... Not that men aren't sensitive, but I'm just talking about Anna. Anna, I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so taken care of here. Well, and that's why I asked that, because, I mean, it, it has to be different. I asked Anna when I chatted with her whether she were people intimidated by working with I me. Mean, after all, she directed uh, August Osage County and whatever. And she sort of laughed and said, many of these cast members were 12 when August Osage County was being presented. You kind of forget how fast the clock ticks. Yeah, you really do. We were making a reference to something the other day, and I looked at Javier and I said, I think you and I are the only person that knows what that means. And, you know, when you, I say we have, we have wisdom because we've been around so long, but I, it's, it's fascinating. Yes, I, I was not 12 when August Osage happened. <laughs> Nor was I. Nor was I 12 when I saw the original incarnation at Steppenwolf Theater. Um, We have to talk about the fact that this musical score, written by the legendary Sir Elton John, and again, when when I first met you, we talked about what it was like to, you know, either be in his presence or, or, you know, well, now, you know, we're beyond all that. He came backstage uh, one night during the previews. Has anything changed about that, or are people still sort of in awe of Elton John? We're we're in awe. You know, um, he's kind of like the soundtrack to my life. If you name one of his hits, I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing, who I was dating and how I was feeling. (laughs) And to actually meet him in person and him to be so loving and he loved the show. We just all tried not to geek out and respect him and listen to him. And then just take that moment and print it and look what happened to us in Chicago. We all got to meet Elton John. Now, is it true, I heard that the producers actually canceled the Friday night show before opening because they took all of you to Elton's concert at Soldier Field. Was that true? That's correct. However, we did have rehearsal from 10 to 6, but then we ran over (laughs) to his concert. And it was a thrill of a lifetime. And And he gave us a shout-out. He gave us a huge shout-out at Soldier Field just to the cast and crew of the Devil Wears Prada at the James Niederlander Theater and how he can't be there opening, but he's there in spirit and he loves us. And it was really, it was like, oh my gosh, who do we think we are? So that was just icing on icing on icing. It was Soldier Field, so I have to ask, did you get good seats? We kind of did. Okay. <laughs> we kind of did, I mean, yeah. That was the thing me- I was just... <laughs> What emerging of worlds, too, because, you know, I mean, listen, this is not his first Broadway show. He's done Billy Elliot, Naida. I mean, he's, he's known for so many things. Lion King, there's so many incredible things in his past. But, but to sort of step out of that world and go see him in concerts, which is the way most people probably connect him, is, is there a connection? Was it a disconnect to see him being Elton John on stage, knowing this is the guy whose music you're performing? Are there two different Eltons, or is it all part of the same persona for you? I think it's for me because I, I think it's all part of the same persona. He brings, you know, that Elton on stage into his music, 
for the Devil Wears product. So every once in a while, you're he- you'll hear a chord or just a little lick of music, and you go, oh, my gosh, I hear that in the Devil Wears Prada. And you're just amazed. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's not – Elton is the singular artist, and that touches everything he does. And, of course, the, the, at the end of the show, the, the cast begins to sing um, Dress Your Way Up. And, uh, you know, there's just some songs that you, you, you can't help but walk out humming and singing. And I've always found that to be the sign of a great musical. If you can walk out singing something or get an earbug, uh, your wig out of it, I think it's worth it. But you do this stuff every night. Do you find yourself, <laughs> which means you know the music far better than, than anybody who just sees the show a couple of times. Are there songs you can't get out of your head? Constantly. You should call me at 3 o'clock in the morning tell you which one which earworm i can't get out of my head that particular day <laughs> or which lyric or which particularly when you're just immersed in rehearsal and you keep your or you're teching a number then you know putting all the lights and all the stuff together and they're playing it over and over and over again but that one you were talking about dress your way up is one of my favorite musical moments ever in any show and i love that dress your way up i see the audience going ballistic and I see them now singing with us. It's like, yes, well done, Elton John. Well done, well done, Javier. Well done, Devil Wears Prada. Well, on opening night, the security had to sit me down because I was about to join you on stage for that curtain call oh, moment yes. and for that for that singing. Yes. Isn't that exciting? It, it, it really One is. One of my favorite moments ever is coming out for curtain call at the Devil Wears Prada and acting like you know I'm on a runway. It's really <laughs> thank you, Chicago. <laughs> I got to tell you. The, in this show, the fashion and the sets, you know, I always knew the fashion would be a character in and of itself because it has to be, but the mm-hmm. sets, the way, and I don't want to give too much, but the way New York transforms into Paris, it's stunning. Yeah, don't tell anybody because you really have to see that. It was so special that when it was ready to be teched, we stopped rehearsal and our production stage manager came over, you know, the intercom and said, if you're interested to watch this transition from the house, now's the time. And we all went into the dark theater at the Nederlander and they showed us that transition. I cried. <laughs> People yelled. And to watch the scenic designers, Christine and Brett, be so affected by how we were affected, it was really a magical moment. And it is spectacular. I agree with you completely. Yeah, and I won't give it away because you do have to just watch it. This sort of you, you your mouth, watch it. your jaw drops, and you just watch it happen. But you know what? There was something even more simple uh, early on in the show that really stunned me. I can kind of say what this is, but just the way it created the effect of being in an elevator. I've never seen that done. You know, you, when that? people, characters are in an elevator, they're in an elevator, and you. But here, you're in an elevator. Yeah, let me just put one cheat word out there, and that would be drone. Okay. <laughs> uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Yes, it was a drone was used to help that elevator to help create that effect. Correct. Which I've oh. never seen on stage before. You know, and it's. I remember watching that for the first time. It's like, how did they do that? It was like, oh, I see. So anyway, the oh. audience has to come see many, 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 many new special things that they have never seen before.
Well, that's it. I also, in terms of the, I actually had a listener ask me this question, so I said I would ask you. I don't know if this, mm-hmm. you, know, you can say it or not. But at some point, somebody saw a, I don't have this kind of eye, but I just loved all the fashions, but somebody did notice like a purse, something was Prada, and they asked the question, was it actual Prada, or are these things just being created for the show? They are not being created for the show, but I can't, because I've been asked not to, say exactly who created them. But let's just say they are very, very, very high fashion, nice accessories. Well, I did read, I think in one print interview you did, and I'm pretty sure it was you, you made the comment of saying sort of when you're wearing a particular dress that might cost twenty or $30,000, you're sort of quite aware of what you're doing. So however these costumes got made, it ain't done on the cheap. No, sir, it is not. And I got to tell you, wearing them is bliss. <laughs> So, by the way, when the mm-hmm. when, when you complete your run many years from now in this show, I'm guessing, like, if I were doing a Broadway show, I would steal half the things that, that were on stage because it's my, I collect Broadway memorabilia and I, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, if, if you're you, are you leaving with all the dresses? I would. Can you imagine? Can you? I remember I tried on a coat and they, they cut it. And I, I, I went, I don't know how it ended up in my suitcase. <laughs> I would take any of the rejects in that show. Because they're just beautiful. And our costume designer, Ariane Phillips, has such an eye for fashion. I mean, she's in that world, and we've all learned so much from her. Um, you know, wearing literally haute couture, not just costumes. Yeah, like, it was wow. and the color. The colors are the colors are just stunning. Aren't they? Yeah, yes. I just love I, it. Oh, you have such good taste, Paul. You have such <laughs> immaculate taste. Well, trust me, you almost saw me in Prada that night, but I, I you know, I, I couldn't. Uh, but I, however, we were told to, to, dress, to, to dress our way up, and I, I did do that. I didn't get to see you after the show, but I certainly did a little bow tie thing going on, so um, I, I was trying. The other thing was sort of interesting, and this not necessarily a part of, of what you would have been doing, but I, I know that Ellen John has said typically when he's what he writes and when he writes with others that the, the, um, the lyrics come first and he writes to the lyrics, but apparently in his working with Shana Taub here, it didn't go, that went the other way around. That is to say, um, the music came first and she wrote to that sort of curious that during rehearsals and if what I said is correct, you know, obviously there's mm-hmm. changes, drop this line, change this line. So, so was it more about changing lines and songs or were, were there any time, you know, Elton John had to say, now we're going to, we're going to change these notes. Did that, that kind of thing ever happen? Well, not that I know of because he wasn't in the room with us because he's doing his world tour, but I know he was definitely hands-on and would listen to everything. And Shana was in the room every day, and there was constant lyric changing. That's to, for clarification of story or to make something more interesting or funny or whatever needs to serve the piece. And I'm sure Elton was consulted on anything musically, but we have an amazing musical supervisor, Nadia, who they all spoke together quite often, so Elton was always in the loop. So I think if a note needed to be changed, it would be like, Elton, we need to change this note, and he would go, yes or no, as if you'd ever change Elton's notes. But <laughs> So that's what we, we get. It's a, a collaborative, including Elton John. I was always intrigued when, for example, Barbara Streisand called Stephen Sondheim and said, Stephen, I need to change these lyrics of putting it together, you know, thinking you, you, this is, right. that is professional suicide. But, of course, Sondheim went, it's Barbara, go ahead. He sure did, and they did. <laughs> now, 
so on opening night, which I attended, amazing night, um, technically on an opening night, a show gets frozen, meaning it's been changing every night. People that saw you on the first preview see a potentially very different show on, on um, opening night. So two questions. One, did the show change a lot from the first preview to opening night? And then secondly, is it frozen or given you know some constructive questions? Uh, uh, suggestions made by some of the, like Chris Jones here with the Trib, who I, I just really respect. I think he has some great ideas. Mm-hmm. Do they look at that and say, okay, we can continue to make changes, or does that all happen on Broadway now? That'll, we're frozen now. Um, you can't rehearse this anymore. But let me tell you this, on opening, we rehearsed. We started at 10 o'clock in the morning. Because COVID took away so much of our rehearsal time, because uh, several of our cast members uh, had COVID and therefore the understudies and the swings were going on and for them to do that safely, we had to have rehearsals for them. So that rehearsal time, which was so important, took away from putting in new lines or redoing scenes or reblocking this or that. So since we're only here two more weeks, actually now just a week and a half, things are frozen now, which believe me, there was as many creative, constructive changes that could go in. And now we're just marinating in this, and we'll see what happens in New York. Like I said, we have such smart, creative people, including our director, choreographer, Shana Elton, and our producers, that I'm sure um, everyone will go in receptive and open to whatever will make the story stronger, if it needs to be. And I was so thrilled that opening night during the intermission, I, James Alsop was in the audience. Um, she's a choreographer, and I ran into her during intermission as she was running through. I stopped. She remembered me. It was so great to see her. And, you know, I love the choreography of that show. I just thought it was fantastic. I, you know what it is, too? I remember the first time I saw her choreography, I was thinking, I haven't seen this on Broadway. I haven't experienced her vocabulary in storytelling like this. So there's a couple of numbers that there's one moment on stage that Javi and I just literally sit in the wings to watch dress your way up, not dress your way up, uh, who she, where Andy does this great transformation. Yeah. And we just sit yes. there and watch the dancers and her vocabulary with that story. Ooh, it's just mesmerizing to me. And because I have no skills whatsoever with that, I just, we just sit there and watch like fans. And, of course, your, your main producer, Kevin McCollum, who uh, he worked with David mm-hmm. Furnish, obviously, and uh, Elton John's husband in the show. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, the, the, being in Chicago was so important to Kevin. He talks about that in, 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 the, in the backstage show that I did with him. Um, are you getting yourself, look, you've been on Broadway, you've been all over the country. Are Chicago audiences, and I know I'm inviting the compliment here, but are Chicago audiences different than others? Are they as discerning as we think we are? I think you are. And I don't feel discerning when I'm on stage in Chicago. I feel love and I feel welcome and I feel, um, it's just special. I feel like it's, they, the Chicago audiences know what they're seeing and they're witnessing something that's never been seen before. And there's, I feel such an appreciation from them and I'm, we're so grateful because it's, it's, it takes a lot of courage to bring something that's never been done before and to have them embrace us so lovingly and support us and cheer. It just makes us feel really good. So thank you, Chicago. 
Oh, well, you're most welcome, and I'll take the credit for it on behalf of the city. And um, uh-huh. Kevin also said on opening night that basically if they gave, the, you know, the leads flowers and all of that, Kevin said, basically enjoy yourself because this is the cast party. We're not going out because of COVID concerns and wanting to keep everybody safe. I assume that was true. There was no, you didn't get to play at a cast party. That was true. Did not. Did not. I was I was in bed by, I think, 1045. <laughs> <laughs> I should have met you backstage. Oh, they wouldn't have let me. But so then my question is, is Yeah, it was, I think I hope we're planning a closing party. Oh, oh that, that would be really yeah, then you get a little bit of you get a little break. Uh, do you sort of do you welcome the closing in Chicago because you're so excited to get to Broadway, or is it a bittersweet moment because you're then gonna have to, you know, wrap this opening production, so to speak? It's both. It's bittersweet because I know we're transferring to Broadway, just not sure when. So there's that very, you know, what's next. And as we do, the theater family, we've become so close. And the thought of not seeing this chosen family every day makes me a little sad. But I know I will again. I just don't know how long it's going to take. And while here, have you done, have you had any time to enjoy the city a little bit? What have you done? What's your favorite restaurant? Have you had the deep dish? No, but I've, I've heard. And <laughs> what I've done since I've been in Chicago is I've been in my hotel and I've been in the theater. Then I rehearse and I come back to my hotel. Then I go to the theater. Then I rehearse and I go back to the hotel. I did take a tour on the river, an architectural tour. Perfect. That was beautiful, and I felt like, oh, great, I saw part of Chicago. And my fiancé was here on a Monday, and we walked the river, and we, we were going to walk someplace, and we got lost, and we ended up walking eight miles. So I saw a lot of Chicago, and it was one of those days in Chicago when it was really hot. <laughs> my fiancé, Adam, I, I was going, this is not what I had planned on my day off. And he said, I'll just call an Uber. It's like, no, we're walking. So we actually saw a great deal of Chicago on that afternoon when it was like 100 degrees. But and I have plans. Like this week and next week, I have plans. I'm going to go to the museum um, and, and all the things. Just try to get all I can in before I go home. And then also have yeah, the energy to do eight shows a week here. Exactly. Well, and, and I was going to say, I'm assuming part of that is because you have to obviously keep your health and all of that. And there are so many, there's an immersive Monet, there's so many things we don't have time to talk about, but if you, if you need any guidance, you know, I'm happy to just offer some suggestions of stuff that I think you'll love. You, the theater is next door to Garrett's. I'm a junk food king, so hopefully you're at least somebody oh. bringing you some Garrett's caramel corn cheese corn mix, unless you don't eat that stuff. No, I have a, a tin of it in my living room. <laughs> Maybe half a tin. You, it's a half a tin. You and I would... We'll get along just Ooh. fine, Beth. I can see that already. Well, yeah, that I, <laughs> Tony Award-winning actress Beth Level, who plays, I mean, to me, you created another iconic role, Miranda Priestly. I, I, I have no doubt one day I want you to call me when Meryl Streep comes to see the Broadway show in New York and comes backstage and tells you that you have redefined the role, role of Miranda. She's going to be, I think, incredibly impressed uh, because Chicago audiences are. And I just, and I personally, I, I asked for you when I was going to do this interview, I said, please try and get me Beth because it just, you know, I know that, that Andy's a critical character. There's so many critical characters, but you just, you just stand out of it. it. It's the Broadway legend you are. And I'm not just saying that. Your co-stars call you Aww. that. 
Oh, for heaven's sake. Thank you. That You just made my day. Thank you. Well, it, it's an honor to talk to you. You're just, I, I, I catch you in every show I possibly can. The Devil Wears Prada, it's only here through August 21st. Tickets can be gotten at broadwayinchicago.com. It's at the James Niederlander Theater. Don't miss it, folks, because if you do, you're going to fly to New York and see it. And why buy a couple of airfare tickets when literally Beth is right down the street? Beth Lowell, right thank here. you so much for your time. You're so welcome. And I'm going to go get deep dish pizza right now. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love you. I love you back. Thank you, my Bye. friend. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop coming to you from Behind the Curtain.